<laughs> if you're not a golfer, a mulligan is, you know, when you hit a bad shot, uh, you don't have to count it on your scorecard. You get a, in a sense, you get a do-over. How awesome would it be if we could have mulligans in life? Right? And for example, say you're caught speeding and the officer comes up and passes the ticket through the window and you take the ticket and you go, thank you, officer. <laughs> Think I'm going to take a mulligan on this one. Be <laughs> pretty nice, right? Or how about you get a notice from your bank saying that you're overdrawn in your account and you call them up and you say, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'll get some money back in the account right away, but I think I'm going to take a mulligan on this one. It's not going to count against me, Right? That'd be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? Are you talking to your spouse or a neighbor, your boss or a coworker, and you just you kind of lose control and you tee off on them, and as the words are coming out of your mouth and you're saying something that you know you're going to wish you could take back, you're going to ask for a mulligan and you get a do-over. And the reason I bring this up is because we've been studying the person of Jonah, right? The story of Jonah in the Bible, and Jonah's a guy who's been running like crazy from God, and what God has done with Jonah is he's given him multiple mulligans in his life. And as crazy as Jonah's story is, what we've been discovering is that most of our lives uh, follow the same pattern that Jonah's life follows. Most of us can look back at some point where we've tried to run from God or we've resisted God's leading in our life. And most of us who are runners have discovered that we know that we can run from God, but we can never outrun God. I mean, that's kind of been the core idea of our series. We know that, of course, we can run from God, but we can never outrun God. Because of his amazing love for us, he faithfully pursues us. He goes ahead of us and waits for us so that wherever we're going to be, and he knows where we're going to go, right? He's there to receive us back so that we can run with him again. If you were with us last week, Kara did a great job as we spent the whole chapter two of the whole of chapter two in the belly of the fish, right? And we, we learned that no matter what your circumstances or how far you've run from God, it's never too late to pray. God will orchestrate the events of our lives to, to stop our running, but God's grace is always guaranteed. God's grace doesn't negate his discipline in our lives, right? God always disciplines like a good parent. His discipline is always thorough, but he is a God of second chances. He's the God of mulligans and do-overs. This week, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3, which is 10 verses. If you'd like to turn there uh, in your, uh, on your device, uh, in your, we also have uh, Bibles in the back if you're wanting a Bible uh, you can grab a Bible or put a hand up and we'll get one to you, uh, but we'll have the words on the screen as well where we can all read along. All of chapter 3 is only 10 verses, and the story continues with verse 1 by saying, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. 
By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Maybe God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Would you pray with me one more time? God, we thank you for the gift of the story of Jonah and the encouragement that he is to all of us who, who often have a tendency to run from you and to resist your working in our lives. God, as we look at the story again today, would you give us courage to understand that you are the God of mulligans and second chances, and that when we choose to turn our hearts back to you and run with you, you promise to use us to be a blessing to those around us. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. The first thing that we see, as we've been talking about already, is that God gives Jonah a second chance, right? Verse 1 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. After all of Jonah's running, after all of his resisting, after all of the pain and suffering and harm that he caused to people around him and the sailors on the boat that he was traveling on, God still gives Jonah a second chance. This is a picture of God's amazing grace. See, the story of Jonah isn't about how far a person can run away from God. It's all about the grace of God and the goodness of God and his faithfulness to follow us and to pursue us even when we resist his leading in our lives. It's all about the grace and the goodness of God that no matter how far we run, the door is always open for us to return to him and to run with him again. Now, you might say this morning, oh, I know that sounds good, but you don't know how far I've run from God. You don't know what I've done in my life. Uh, you may feel that you're not worthy of running with God again. And you might think, you know, I don't know if God can even use me again because of what I've already done in my life. But this morning, I want to encourage you that the message of Jonah for you is that this message is not the message from God. That's not the message that the Bible teaches. And the story of Jonah is here to remind all of us that even though you can run from God, you can't outrun God. It also highlights for us a second point. God can do anything for anyone at any time, right? God can do anything for anyone at any time. Now, now, if the story of Jonah is true, and this point of the story is true, then what that means is that God can do anything for you in your life at any time. God can do anything for me in my life at any time. After a divorce, God can use you. After that abortion, God can still use you. After that whole career train wrecked and fell apart around you, God can still use you. After that decade of addiction, God can still use you. God can do anything for anyone at any time. And the message of Jonah is that we don't have to get caught and trapped in our experience of the past. Because God has gone ahead of us and God is waiting for us, the door is always open for us to return to God so that he can use us to be a blessing to those around us. You see, because God is the God of second, 
third, fourth, and fiftieth chances. And not just to people in the Bible who lived centuries ago, but he's the God of second chances for you and me right now, here today. When the reality of God's love breaks through the brokenness and the pain and the guilt and the shame of our own lives, what we discover is that it changes and softens our own hearts. And that begins to open us up to to be able to love other people around us in new and genuine ways because the grace of God in our lives becomes the very gift that we can then offer to others in Jesus' name. Maybe you've been there, or maybe you are there, where, where, where you've done or said things that you wish you could change or take back, and you want that mulligan or the do-over, take heart, because it's always amazing what God can do when we turn our hearts back to him. That's true for all of us. God is the God of second chances. That's the truth of the story of Jonah, and it's the truth about the God we serve. Yet, notice this too. God gives Jonah a second chance, right? But God also gives Jonah the same assignment. God gives Jonah a second chance, but God also gives Jonah the exact same assignment. He doesn't change the assignment. He uses the exact same words in chapter 3, verse 2, that he used in chapter 1. Go to the great city of Nineveh, right? And proclaim the message that I give you. Go to Nineveh, Jonah. That's where I'm asking you to go. He doesn't say, oh, you know, maybe I made a mistake. You're right, Jonah. Maybe my judgment was just off with you. I didn't know what I was thinking. Maybe I should get another prophet that's going to be more excited to go to Nineveh. Maybe there's a better spot for you in in my plan. No, God gives Jonah a second chance, but he gives them a second chance with the same assignment. I've shared this story before in the past. When our son Lucas was a, a preschooler, he hated to go to bed right? He would begin to throw a fit. He'd flop around, and he'd whine, and he'd cry, and I'd have to come to him, and I'd have to say, okay, buddy, it's the easy way or the hard way, right? And we'd explain to him, here's what the easy way looks like. You can, you can lay down quietly in your bed, and we'll, we'll read a story, and I'll pat your back, and we'll have a wonderful time going to bed together, or... You can scream and cry and flop around all you want, but we're going to put you in bed and I'm going to close the door and you're just going to have to, you know, cry until you fall asleep. Which way do you want? And he would always calm down and lay down and go, I want the easy way, right? <laughs> but isn't the kind of the same thing with Jonah? God says you can, you can run all you want, you can resist me all you want, you can flop around and whine and throw a fit and complain about your life, but guess what? You're still going to go to Nineveh. And that's the next point we see in the story, that delayed obedience doesn't change the destination. We can resist God, we can delay things, we can pitch a fit in our lives, and yet delayed obedience in our lives doesn't change God's direction for where he's leading us or his destination or where he wants us to go. God says, Jonah, I need you to go to the great city of Nineveh, and I need you to be running with me. And so Jonah finally obeys, and he goes to Nineveh at God's command. Now, think about the story at this point. If God had gone all this trouble to to get Jonah to turn around, to do an about-face, to go back to Nineveh and get him there, the the city must have really needed Jonah to come, right? And, And if you imagine an entire city and the king itself repenting and turning back to God, Jonah must have had a, a been a pretty powerful preacher, don't you think? 
I mean, it, it would have taken several weeks to get there, and he must have had a lot of time to, to craft his sermon and to think about exactly the right illustrations that he was going to use that were going to convince and persuade them to believe God's message. He must have had just a powerful sermon. Don't you wish you had that, that sermon recorded somewhere? But here's what he came up with. In verse 4, it says, He proclaimed, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Mic drop, right? <laughs> 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And that was his message. That's what he came up with. Can you imagine that? It sounds strange to us. It says he, uh, all the people believed him. Even the king himself came forward and issued a proclamation that everybody should fast and put on sackcloth, which is a sign of, of mourning and grief and, and repentance. And the entire city believed his message. Why was this message so effective? Well, scholars would suggest that we have to understand the context of the world around Nineveh at the time. There are some things that may have helped to prepare people for, for Jonah's message at the time. Now, we know historically that the first thing is there have been two huge plagues that have swept through the area and killed thousands and thousands of people. So already the people are wondering, what in the world is going on? And are, you know, are the gods angry with us? Why, why are all these people dying and this mysterious illness sweeping through our people? The second thing that happened right around this time is there was a, a major solar eclipse. And for people like the Assyrians who worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars, a solar eclipse was another sign that maybe the gods were angry and upset. And finally, there's some warrior tribes that are camped out just north of Nineveh that have been ravaging the country and destroying everything in their path. And Nineveh is next on their sights. So here you have this king. And these thousands of people gathered together in this large city with all of these things happening around him. And what we learn from the story is, is that God works in the people of Nineveh's lives in the same way that God worked in Jonah's life, in the same way that he works in our lives. We understand that God uses their life circumstances to prepare them for Jonah's arrival. He's preparing them to hear the message that God gave Jonah to deliver. So by the time Jonah gets there, they're ready to believe God's message. See, when Jonah gets there and proclaims 40 more days, they're believing because they've already been prepared in their hearts to understand that something was going on, that, that, that the gods were upset. We need to do something or, or we're going to be wiped out. And so all of these people believed and turned to God, not because of Jonah's powerful oratorical skills, not because of his eloquent speech and the amazing sermon illustrations that he put together, but because they knew that God had prepared their hearts for that moment. He was preparing the circumstances of their world around them to be ready when Jonah arrived. And it says in verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And, and I think this leads us to really our third point this morning, is that God is already working in the lives of everyone you meet. God is already working in the lives of everyone you meet. I think too often as Christians, we have this false sense that God is working in our lives, but, but, but because other people have turned their backs on God or aren't pursuing God or aren't following Jesus, God isn't working in their life. Because they're not following God, God isn't really uh, giving them any time or attention, but we're the favored ones, right? We get all of God's time and attention. 
But that's not true. If you look throughout the Bible, God is already working in the lives of everyone you meet. See, when God puts it on your heart or prompts you to talk to somebody about your faith or, or to share the hope that you have in Jesus or to invite somebody to come to church with you, oftentimes our first tendency is to think, you know, I don't think they're very interested in God, so, so I, don't, I don't think they would really respond to an invitation. So we don't ask, right? Since my neighbors don't really look like they need anything, they're, they're all uh, happy and put together. I don't think they're really open to, to the gospel message in their lives, and so we don't share. Because we know that couple that, that looks like their marriage is perfect and they're, and they're so all, all together all the time, they aren't really open to hearing anything from me. But guess what? Looks can be deceiving, right? Looks can be deceiving. And we know that here in church too, right? We can come to church on Sunday morning and we can have our Sunday best and we can put on a smile and we greet each other in the service. And how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. But looks can be deceiving. And we know that we live in a broken and a fallen world where we each, even as followers of Jesus, struggle with our own sin and brokenness. We have broken relationships that we're trying to navigate. We have hopes and dreams for our lives that often don't work out. And we're trying to figure out where is God in the midst of that. And when we put on a happy face and we're not honest with who we are and what we're really dealing with, looks can be deceiving. And if we struggle with that as Christians, how much more does the world out there want to put forward a face that looks happy and put together when we know that without Jesus, life is just a mess. You see, in the story of Jonah, these Ninevites wouldn't have looked like they would have been open to Jonah's message, right? The arch enemies of Israel, whose Israel's God is going to come and say, repent. I mean, these are, why would Jonah even bring this message? But they were. Because God had gone ahead of Jonah, and God had prepared the hearts of the people of Nineveh to hear and receive the message that Jonah brought. And it's the same with you and me in our lives, with your family and friends, with your coworkers or your classmates at school or the neighbors that live right around you in your, in your neighborhood. God is constantly working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts to receive his good news message. God's doing things in and around their lives that you and I can't see so that people will be open and receptive to the message when somebody's willing to bring that to them. And, and here's one way to think about it. We don't start from scratch with anyone. We just join God where he's already working. We don't start from scratch with anyone. We just join God where he's already working. Too often, I think we worry about how are we going to do it? Where do we start? What do we say? But we don't have to worry about those things because we just join God with what he's already doing. And we say whatever God puts on our heart to say. Another way to understand this dynamic is to say it this way. The message God gave Jonah to share spoke to the situation that God had already prepared. Think about that for a minute. The message that God gave Jonah to share spoke to the situation that God had already prepared. See, if God is already at work in the world, preparing the hearts of people to respond and to receive his message, and he's faithfully prepared us by his grace and his mercy to have second, third, fourth, fiftieth chances to, to, to run with him and to respond to those invitations to go to our Ninevehs when, when he calls us, all we have to be do, do is be willing to say yes and share whatever God puts on our heart when we find ourselves in a situation where we know 
It's God leading. So maybe as we wrap up for this morning, our our takeaway from chapter 3 might be to simply ask the question, who is your Nineveh? Who is your Nineveh? Who has God been calling you to reach out to uh, that maybe you've been resisting or hesitant to, to talk to or open up to about your own life of faith? Does your Nineveh have a name? Who might you share Jesus with in some simple way this week? Again, it doesn't have to be uh, you've memorized the four spiritual laws and you're going to walk them through the the plan of salvation. Maybe it's simply just opening a dialogue uh, about spiritual issues and being able to have an open conversation, trusting that God will give you what you need to say in the right way at the right time. Who will you share Jesus with this week? We're reminded in Acts 1.8 from the words of Jesus when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who's your Nineveh? Who, who have you been kind of shying away from, even though maybe in the back of your mind, you know God has been kind of nudging you to say, hey, you should start a relationship with this person. You should uh, reach out to your neighbor and just start a conversation. You should invite this person out for coffee and just uh, strike up a friendship. Who's your Nineveh in your life today? Because we're reminded through Jonah chapter 3 that God is already working in the lives of everyone we meet. And the message God gave Jonah to share spoke to the situation that God had already prepared. God is preparing situations in the lives of the people who we are connected with. And he's inviting us to open our eyes to his call to reach out and simply share whatever message he puts on our heart. God wants to use you and me. God wants to use Faith Covenant Church to be a blessing to the world around us. But we we need to be willing to be sent by God into that world so that we can bring the message that he's prepared their hearts to receive. Would you pray with me? God, as we see ourselves in the life of Jonah, we know that we too struggle with the temptation to run and to resist. And when life doesn't go our way, we we want to, to throw a fit and to whine and complain and say, God, that's not how we want it. And yet you remind us today that that you have already gone ahead and prepared the way for us. And because of that, we can can trust that where we are and where we are going is a part of your plan for our lives. And we don't have to worry about what we're going to say or what we're going to do. But, but as we open our eyes and our hearts to the world around us, and, and maybe some of those people are right in our own homes or right here in our own church today, you invite us to be responsive to your direction, to go to our Ninevehs and to share the message that you would give us, a message of encouragement and hope, a message of love and grace, a message that you're not alone, And that God that we worship is the God of mulligans and second chances. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see, we're set up for taking communion today. And pastors Dick and Kurt are going to come up in just a couple of minutes and share a little bit more about what that means.
to us, I just ask us to take a moment to remember what God has done in our life. Maybe it's today. Um, And remember that he has given that sacrifice for us. Just think about that as we continue.